everybody, welcome back to Podcast of the Galactic Heroes. Today we're doing episodes 13, 14, and 15 of Season 2 of Ghost in the Shell. And boy howdy, we get some character episodes and... One of them feels like the writers were just like, I wish we could do Golgo 13 instead. <laughs> <laughs> and it rocks. It's so good. It's, oh, it's so cheesy. All right. Well, yeah, that kind of started off Kubo. Saito's a bit because, well, he's Saito and he's the cool sniper guy. So we got to do cool sniper guy episode. <laughs> it's but so good. And yeah, unfortunately, yeah, we also have Paz's episode, which basically is Paz, the guy who fucks. <laughs> Pause is definitely the guy who fucks. <laughs> also, I got depression. <laughs> yeah, so episode 13 starts out. Um, it's pretty much the same shot from the end of last episode atop of that skyscraper. The helicopter, the news helicopter is flying around tracking the individual 11, the 12 of them that are on top of the building. Uh, it's a pretty cool shot, actually. Um, they do the whole parallax thing, you know, zoomed in. It's like a helicopter, like, flying around the building. Yeah. Yeah, so the guy they were talking about uh, earlier who was going to give the speech is, in fact, giving the speech. So whoever asked last uh, podcast episode, where's the speech? Here it is. We found was, the speech. Um, <laughs> that was me. I asked. I was like, where's the speech? And it's here, and it's bad. Yeah. Um, more or less, the guy says, uh, nameless masses hear me. We are the individual 11. We have separate minds that we are gathered as one to reform the world. The current system is... The current system in this country, in which this country functions, is rapidly approaching its demise. Uh, the refugees are doing suicide bombs. There's bad governments. There's friction with other countries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, individuals should join up to form a complex society, and we will save it. Um, nameless masses, please awaken and become part of a new order. Sure thing, um, bud. Yeah, sounds like a great, um, I don't know, manifesto he wrote up, you know, in 15 minutes in the back of a truck or something. But <laughs> yeah, so we get the intro card. Um, we see the chopper guys. They're kind of like wondering about like the audio, whatever, because they're flying in a chopper. I don't know how they got the audio. I guess maybe they broadcasted it or something. I think they said that yeah, they hacked the tower or whatever because it is it is like a news tower. I think. Yeah, I, I could also just see the individual eleven broadcasting this publicly on open radios, but ham radio. The revolution <laughs> will be spread. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, they're watching. The guys take out their swords. Um, one of the individual 11 that faces Kuze um, brings out a sword and is about to attack him. Kuze's like, hey, wait a second. The guy Bro, attacks wait. anyway. And uh, yeah, this is where Kuze defends himself and chops off the guy's head. Um, we kind of get like a pull-out cut of Section 9 HQ. They're watching this on TV, kind of reviewing the footage. We get a retread of the, oh my God, they're cutting each other's heads off. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Good voice acting, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the chief says that this was on the 7 o'clock news and we're like, uh, there's a shot of Kuze on the monitor behind them. Um, Bato wonders, well, why would they just, you know, come out of their hiding in order to chop each other's heads off on the top of a skyscraper? That's stupid. That is weird. Yeah, the major says um, this is based on info from Goda's virtual AI that they're probably trying to become a catalyst for a standalone complex. So, like, they're trying to start a revolution, more or they're less. They're trying to do an now a situation, but more so. Yeah. Uh, Ishikawa starts talking about, you know, they're trying to become martyrs. Um, they're following Sylvester's writing about the Cuban Revolution. I don't know if that's true. I don't know enough about the Cuban Revolution to comment on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Togusa says uh, this Gota guy's smart. He faked the 11th essay as a cover for a virus. And then, you know, aside from the reporter that committed suicide in front of me, there's probably people all over the country last night that tried to commit suicide. So that's kind of fucked up. Thanks to their head virus. Yeah. 
Uh, Boma says he had a close call and there's a funny <laughs> shot of like him rubbing the back of his head where there's like a ton of fucking wires just kind of sticking out of it. It's a really great reveal too because they're all like sitting on the couch in front of the screen and he's like basically facing towards the camera so you can't see the back of his head until he scratches it and it's like, yeah, we had to rewire your brain. Yeah, the Bypass the surgery for your brain wires. Yeah, one of the red texts says that the virus's ultimate end goal was suicide so like they have to be super careful about this. Um... The chief says that the refugees, uh, since this recording has been played on the news, the refugees have started more bombings, and there's also been copycats of the broadcast people, I guess, going around with swords. They never really mention it too much. It, yeah. Oh, yes. Just people going around with their own hands. I steal. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to go back to the Meiji Revolution. No swords, please. This is the cyberpunk future I want. <laughs> swords. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. The biggest thing, though, is that the general population who... I guess more or less didn't care about refugees are now acutely aware of the problem. So that's a powder keg that's going to go off as they, they keep they saying. They say powder keg us. a lot in these episodes. Yeah. I wish they would come up with a better metaphor, but um, the major says that Gota's plan is probably only in its early phases, but section nine still doesn't have the manpower to deal with it. So instead of just running around like idiots, they're going to focus on the uh, cabinet information service and Gota himself. And to that end, they need to go and arrest Kuzai because he's a huge witness in all of this. Uh, the only Bato one who lived. Yeah, Bato wonders where Kuzai is and like why he didn't kill himself in the news. And so one of the red tech guys steps in and says, like, you know, to be sure we would need to analyze his brain because the virus apparently didn't affect him. And in the business, we call this a spontaneous mutation. This is also the guy uh, with the long hair. I think his name is Azuma. No, Azuma's a different guy. Okay. Uh, specifically. Yeah, the red texts never get named, I don't think. They're okay. just there. But yeah, um, he gives, starts giving this PowerPoint, and it has footage from the prime minister's assassination attempt, and Kuze, they point out that like Kuze doesn't move his mouth when he speaks. And uh, they see the footage of the skyscraper, and the same thing happens, where he speaks and there's no mouth movement. And so the red tech goes on and says he doesn't use facial nanomachines too often. Um, he can, of course, but it's difficult. And... He starts bringing up the fact that, like, Kuze has a really handsome face. And at this point, Bato is getting, like, super impatient about, like, why are you saying this guy's good looking? This is super funny because everyone is hurrying this tech along, like, while he's giving his explanation. But he's just like, yo, <gasps> shut the fuck up, guys. I got something here. I got a wax lyrical about this hot boy. Have you seen him? Please. I had a single good idea. Give me this. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, so the red tech tells Bato to shut up and then goes on to say that uh, he has such a great face, but he doesn't have the muscles to move it around. Isn't that weird? And so the major, uh, of course, being smart, uh, surmises that it is a custom aftermarket face, basically. Aftermarket face parts. Yeah. Uh, the tech agrees, and he says that the sculptor is probably not associated with large company. And then, lo and behold, there's only two people in Japan that do this kind of custom work for faces. We then so they wax lyrical about how the Japanese don't, do individualist high art or realistic art like this. Yeah. yeah also, so like, they show, like, they, they zoom in on one of them and it's like, ah, I wonder which which one it is. <laughs> yeah, they this show is the, the important two, one. <laughs> they show the two profiles of the um, face sculptor guys and so then they cut to Togusa and Bato driving to apparently this face sculptor guy. Uh, Togusa doesn't know that this was, like, a rare field and Bato, yeah, brings up the fact that, like, Japanese artists are bad at realism. I... I don't know what the fuck he's talking about here. <laughs> um, when they arrive at the place, there's a whole bunch of police out around, so they go and talk to them, and apparently the face sculptor was murdered. Oh, no. I wonder if this was the one. Oh, no. Yeah. 
Bato uh, fills in the major on this, and uh, she's at the other face sculptor place with Ishikawa, so she's like, okay, I'm going to send over Paz and Saito to help you out. So Bato and Togusa talk to the police. Um, they tell them that they suspect, or I guess the dead guy was a witness in a case, and that's why they're here. Uh, the detective guy is like immediately very arrogant about all of this. Like he doesn't want jurisdiction pulled from him for whatever reason. He's like, reason. get the fuck out of here. This isn't your yeah. crime scene. This is my crime scene. Yeah, he goes to tell them how good, how this like a clo- open and shut case that the knife has fingerprints on it. The victim and the perpetrator knew each other based on the drinks that they were having on the table. And then apparently security camera got all of them on footage. So I love that was the last thing he said. He's like, oh, yeah fingerprints oh yeah that that very cop thing of oh there's two drinks out on the table and also he was on camera the whole time <laughs> <laughs> the I reverse maybe, Columbo yeah I guess maybe in the future they were aware that cameras can be faked but anyway it's still um, very funny to listen it's to it's extremely funny yeah uh, Bato wants to see the footage the detective refuses and Bato gets angry in walks Paz and Saito and Paz asks everybody's like hey you should all get along ha 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 the detective turns and looks at Paz and is super shocked by this. And then we cut to the footage of the security camera showing that the sculptor and Paz were having drinks and then Paz stabs the guy in the back. What uh, the? Yeah. Apparently the fingerprints and lip prints match. I didn't know they had Paz's lip prints on file, but who knows? <laughs> um, and Bato was talking about how he had a hard time getting the cops to stand down. And yeah, we see so a sh- Paz wasn't arrested for this, but... The cops really wanted to because he literally walked back to the scene of the crime and was yeah. like, hey, everybody, what's up? Yeah, we all hey, know it's pause because did someone who looks exactly like me murder anybody in here. <laughs> Just asking. And it, yeah, it was the stupidest thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> this, this reminds me of that. wonderful. This, this reminds me of that Columbo episode with twins. But <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yes. yes. <laughs> Yeah, so we get some shots. Of the, they're back in, like, I think, uh, Section 9 HQ, and Paz is yeah. just looking real sad because, you know, he was kind of framed for murder. Togusa asks uh, if someone could have copied his prints, and the Major says, you know, it is possible to do that, but it is quite difficult. And then Bato asks if it's Kuze, and the Major's like, that's probably not. Who knows? They don't know anything. We've already they got ask- our plot for the episode. Now we're going to do the a little thing. Yeah, they just kind of want a reason to get Paz in the spotlight here so they could do an episode for him. So. Pause, the guy who fucks. Yeah. Uh, they ask him if he has any ideas of any suspects that would want to frame him, and Pause really says no. Uh, the Major then <laughs> goes on to give everybody orders and then tells him to you know, lay low because obviously having a suspected murderer go around is probably not a great idea for Section 9. <laughs> uh, we cut to Pause smoking in the break room. Bacho walks in and says, like, hey, I know you know something. And of course, Pause being the cool guy that fucks denies this. Um, Would you like to try that again, sir? And Paz is like, no, not particularly. <laughs> and Bacho tries to play like the uh, the older brother. And he's like, listen, if you had something you need to tell me, I'm right here for you. And Paz is like, nah. No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, so I guess Paz went over to the bar. He's at a bar smoking. And um, he, one of the things is like he looks up above the bar and there's these matching uh, death face masks. Like, I don't know. I guess it's a weird interior decoration. But, uh, you know. Yeah, the bartender says it's the manager's new hobby or something like that. Which sounds like a bar manager thing. Yeah, I mean, this bar is super classy. True. Like, it is, I guess, reasonable that they would have these weird-ass face masks up there. But regardless, 
Uh, the detective walks in from before and he sits down and he's like, listen, I'm not going to bother trailing you because I know you would just catch me. Um, I don't think you did it, but the person who did do it definitely has a connection to you, um, you know, because being an exact copy of you, they have to have some sort of obsession. So I'm just going to keep a watch on you. Uh, so if you see me around, don't be a stranger. Bye. And <laughs> Paz is like, okay, sure, whatever. All right. The detective leaves. Uh, the woman manager uh, who owns the bar sits down next to him and jokes that Paz is like, oh, that's the first time I've seen you with a man. You either come here with a different woman or just alone by yourself. Always a different woman. Yeah. Uh, Paz goes on to say that he uh, uh, doesn't know the detective and he starts asking about the masks up there. She says she met a face, a face sculptor recently who and she commissioned a new face. And then during the fitting of said face, she realized that a ghost may not be in a brain case, but in its skin and its wrinkles and all the features of its face. Uh, apparently, the sculptor only made faces for war veterans and found out that psychological wounds mirrored physical ones. I don't know. She sounds like she's drunk and just rambling or something. But this also, again, sounds like something that the, the manager of the bar telling you their cool new thing. Got into face sculpting. Got into yeah. face sculpting. Also seems it might relate in some way to the nasty man who has a terrible face. You know? I, I no. No. He's not even in these episodes. <laughs> it's true. We're still not seeing the nasty man. <laughs> so we cut to uh, the detective who is now drunk walking around some back alleys. I, I don't know what like, happened to his... Not not like a little drunk, by the way. Like, having trouble walking levels of drunk. Like, wasted. It's yeah, also, like, like, nearly morning, I'm pretty sure. What happened to his plan of tailing paws? Like, you can tail paws drunk. I mean, I guess. So, anyway, he was walking around in an alley, and out of the shadow comes Paws. And he's like, oh, hey, it's nice to see you again. And then Paws pulls a gun on him. He's like... Oh, fuck, you're the other guy, and starts running. <laughs> right? Yeah, no There's a guy is. who looks just like you around. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Yeah, so we don't see the conclusion of that. We cut over to Ishikawa, who's in the Section 9 computer room. Uh, they apparently found Kuze's profile, so they now know his name is Kuze. They didn't know who he was earlier. Uh, this guy it has the uh, Peacekeeping Force body, and it has no facial muscles as part of it. So it's just like the red text said, his face is a sculptor's talent. He got an aftermarket face. Uh, they also find that all records of the war that he was in, all records from the war that he was in, have been erased. And so there's no real way to track him. They're just going to have to do some old-fashioned detective work. Damn it. Uh, I hate that. Oma then goes on and wonders if Kuze had nothing to do with the murders, and the murderer was just wearing Paz's face, so the link must be there. Like, they, they're still trying to figure out how this connects with Kuze, and they don't really think there is a connection, despite the face sculptor angle. Um, Ishikawa jokes that maybe it's a woman. Uh, nah, couldn't be. Nah. Uh, Bato interrupts them with news of the detective's death. Um, people saw the detective with pause before his death, and the bullet at the death scene was from the same gun type that like Section 9 uses. The major goes on to say this is all super convenient, and obviously someone is trying to frame pause. <laughs> um, she asked pause about who could be up on this, and he's like, oh, you know, there's too many people that may want me dead. This is going to be real hard to narrow down. <laughs> God damn it, Puss. I'm trying to be helpful. The problem is that everyone wants me dead. Yeah. Uh, Paz uh, then goes over the list of the clients that the murdered uh, sculptor had. And one of the names sticks out. Um, the name is Kyori Kashima. It doesn't matter what her name is. Kauri Kawashima. Sure. Uh, she shows up once and it doesn't matter. 
Yep. Uh, Pause then goes on to say, like, hey, listen, this is a real personal thing. Can I just go solo on this? And if uh, it looks like I'm going to bring Section 9 down, just cut me loose. And Major's like, okay, sure, go for it, dude. All right, have fun. Yeah, Paz tries to leave the scene of the crime because he he again walks onto the scene of the crime where this time the detective was murdered. So he's trying to leave and the cops want to take him in, but uh, Bato stands up for him there, so. Which, like, fair enough. Yeah, I guess they just didn't want to fuck around with Bato, the, you know, six foot ten, 300 pound dude. Mm -hmm. Cyborg. I guess he'd be more like 600 pounds, I don't know. So Paz then, uh, as he's leaving, gives Bato the address of where he's going in case something happens to him and then just, you know, walks off. Uh, we cut over to the bar manager, who's uh, presumably in her house. Uh, she goes into a room, and in the closet, there is a full cyborg body of Paz. Uh, she kind of, like, gets it out and then lays naked on it. That's weird. That sure does happen in this episode. <laughs> I don't know why that scene was there. <laughs> um, it could have been they... easily cut, and the rest of the episode would have been still perfectly fine. Look, they want <laughs> you to know she's, like, really fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, I guess but we not can, a little fucked up. She's like super fucked up. Yeah, in the incoming conversation she has, like you could tell she's fucked up. I don't know why she needed to get naked and lay on him, but the little whatever. sign pops up over her head saying, It's a sex thing. Hmm. Well, no, you know what she really needs to do is get out the pot and the boiling water and find a rabbit, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so uh, the next day uh, in the city, there's a cloaked figure walking around with a bag of trash. Um, the trash bag is thrown out in a dumpster, and we kind of see a shot of in the trash bag, there was a cyber brain. Oh, no. Uh, we cut the pause. He's just chilling on a boat. I don't know if this is like his own personal boat or a ferry <laughs> boat or what. <laughs> it's really weird. It's like too small for a ferry, but like he's standing on the front bow of it, so he's not driving it. I, whatever. He's going down a canal in the city. Uh, we see a shot of Batomo and Atachi Koma just kind of watching him, making sure he's doing okay. Man, what's he doing on that boat? B- Bato wishes he was on the boat. It's true. <laughs> Bato yeah. would absolutely love to be chilling and grilling right now <laughs> on a boat. Yeah, so Paz walks around the city for a bit, but eventually he ends up in an apartment building. Um, he walks around that. This apartment building is super abandoned, by the way. Like, yeah, it's one no of those like here. futuristic boxes on boxes type apartments where like it does, they don't line up. They're kind of just ramshackle put together. Yeah. Uh, this is cloaked, definitely a reference to something. A cloaked figure uh, walks out from the shadows. Um, and it's the same one that before that was dropping off the trash with the cyber brain. Uh, the woman's voice, and it's the woman from the bar, starts saying <sighs> that, like, you forgot about me. And we see Bato watching this from a distance. Uh, the woman goes on to say, like, it's been five years since I lived here. And then Paz asks, like, well, where did you jack that woman's body? And she's like, well, I did it maybe three months ago at the bar. I saw you there, and you don't remember me, and that upset me. Uh, Paz then asks where the brain is, and the woman says, probably in a landfill. So, oops, the bar manager's dead. Yeah. And then Paz is like, oh, you got the fingerprints at the bar, too? And she's like, yep. And so, obviously, we're trying to just tie together all the nice loose ends here. Uh, Paz then goes on and asks the actual question, why are you trying to be me? <laughs> What's the end game here? Yeah. And the woman goes on to say, like, I, I couldn't understand why you left me. It wasn't for another woman. It wasn't because you hated me. It's like you told me to ask, not to ask questions. So I didn't. But everything you wanted or everything you wanted, I did everything you wanted from me, but you just left. And um, she goes, I was like, when we met, you said, I'll never sleep with the same woman twice. And I thought that was a joke. But when we slept the, the second time, I was in love and you felt the same. I hated you and I thought you I would go insane. But I kept wondering why you left. So this... 
she's super obsessive over Paz, and I guess she adopted his identity to... The Nookie was so good that she <laughs> made a body double of him and became him. <laughs> That's some, like, weird kink play going in there, but it's I guess... pretty specific, this, yes. Yeah, people in this universe are into that. Like, we had that man, or the guy from the first episode that mm. went into the geisha bodies, but... Sure, whatever, I'm not judging. Do you, you do you, woman. I mean, I'm so, judging him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should judge Paz. He's uh, not the greatest here, but... Yeah. Anyway, um, she goes on to say that, like, uh, in your love for me, you left without a trace in order to protect me from this world that you live in. And Paz is like, I don't deserve any credit. And she's yeah, so like... So she figured out, like, that he is a super spy and now she knows all this shit. Yeah. And, like, Paz says he doesn't deserve credit for leaving her. And the woman says, like, yeah, you do. That's just the man you are. But it's okay. I don't need you anymore. I have your ghost inside of me. I don't need the real you. Which... Psycho talk. A cool, definitely not about to kill you thing to say. (laughs) Definitely normal. Having a normal one. A perfectly reasonable (laughs) thing to say. Is is this a red Uh flag? (laughs) I want to see this post on our relationships. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, the woman that I slept with a couple of times and then dumped uh, made a complete body double of me and, you know, killed someone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the figure uh, in the cloak disrobes, and it's an exact copy of Paz. Who knew? It, uh, dressed it's the, the same, devil. looks the same. Yeah, it's completely the same. Um, the woman then goes on to say, like, if you have any love for me, you'll die here. And Paz is like, nah, I think I'll pass. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so um, they get into a big knife fight. Um, uh, they start knife fighting and eventually start running off through this apartment complex. Uh, Bato and the Tachikoma at this point start giving chase. Uh, the pauses, like, fight, there's a struggle. And as Bato turns around one of the corners, he sees that one of the pauses is dead on the ground. And so Bato kind of walks up and is like, you got her? And Paz really doesn't respond and kind of, like, looks at the sky, and there's a big pull-out shot. And <laughs> the thing that's funny about this scene is that in the beginning of the knife fight, um, the real pause got, like, a slash across his chest. But in the conclusion of the scene, both pauses have a slash across their chest. Hell yeah. So, who knows? <laughs> Maybe this woman just is inter- being paused from now on. We don't know. We wouldn't notice. Uh, we cut to Bato getting into the Major's car. Bato like, gives, like, it's all in my report. And then goes on and says, like, this is exactly the type of thing that pause would get mi- mixed up in. Classic pause right here. <laughs> Slept with too many women who want to kill him. Now they stalk him in his own body. You know, it's classic pause. Uh, and he's like, this guy should have figured out who it was sooner. It's like, he has too many people to just try to kill him. And the major's like, yeah, that's the problem. Too many people want to kill him. And then Bacho's kind of shocked by this information. And the major goes on to say that when she scouted Paz, she, he told her the same, I only sleep with one woman once thing. And Bacho just kind of goes like, oh, brother. <laughs> what a dick. And so the last scene of this is as they drive into the city on the freeway, the major ass is like, hey, do you think the surviving pause is the real one? And Bato is like completely disinterested. And he's like, probably. I don't fucking care. <laughs> they don't even bother to check. <laughs> I feel this is like very easy. Just ask him a question and leave pause would know, but. <laughs> you would think. Well, yeah, that's the story of pause, the guy who fucks. So. Pause, who fucks? <laughs> All right, and now we get episode 14. Cool story, Saito. <laughs> this one's also good. <laughs> so uh, we open up on the prime Min- on more Prime Minister babysitting now with 5,000% more police, like lineups on them up and down the road. 
Uh, it turns out that the Secretary of State Schrader of the American Empire is visiting to renegotiate the security treaty, and we get news talking about how the American economy has collapsed, so they're, <laughs> they're willing to play ball now. Someone was doing a lot more financial bubble trading. <laughs> Basically. I also just like how casually American Empire is brought up. I know it's not the first time, but it's still funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did bring a lot of cops with them. Mm. So... In a van on the street, Saito is playing poker with some new Section 9 recruits and also some Tachikoma looking on. Uh, one of the recruits, like, they're, they're dealing out the cards. One of the recruits has an ace. Sato only has the jack of spades, but he bets in anyway, so we know what kind of cool guy he is. Uh, we get the title card, and then the babies talk about Japanese history, specifically how the security treaty kind of screwed over the SDF because, you know, it's the self-defense force. They're still, even all this time later, not allowed to basically fight in other countries uh, due to Article 9 of the, uh, of the uh, treaty. Um, but it was actually pretty great for the rest of the country because it kind of forged an unbreakable alliance with the United States, which was the economic powerhouse of the 1940s and 50s. Um, that's not all that important, though, because then the babies ask uh, why Saito is so good at poker. Um, they notice yeah. that, like, despite the fact that it's a game of chance, he's been winning pretty much every hand. You, we, you can't go and say that this is a game of chance instead of poker aficionados. They'll get super upset and tell you it's all about bluffing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to get that. <laughs> this whole episode is pokerguys.txt, basically. <laughs> um, so, let's see. We get, uh, we see that the rookie has two aces at this point, while Saito has, like, I don't know, a nine of diamonds as well. Um, but then he goes on to say that... Just, Poker is child's play compared to real life-or-death situations. One time I was up against a world-class sniper. Scared the shit out of me, and that's why I'm so good at poker, because <laughs> that's poker is a game for babies now compared to that This is fight. a sixth grader bragging to yes. his friends at recess. <laughs> it extremely is. Um, so Saito says that he'll tell the story of his poker face if everyone meets his rays and throws some more into the pot. They're all like, ah, oh, you're so full of shit, dude, but they oblige. The one guy is like, I'm not doing this because I want to hear the story. I'm hearing this because I'm a poker fan. Please I could really use some money right now from you <laughs> specifically. It, these are the least cool guys who've ever lived. Really <laughs> oh, trying Jesus, hard yes. to seem like the most cool guys who ever lived. Yeah, like, this is sad dad bragging. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, they're all ex-military turned cops. So. Exactly. The, the new Section yeah. 9 recruits, like, Saito's the cool guy in the group, and therefore they all have to, like, pick at him. Um, so, we we begin the story. Back in 2020. The summer of 2020. The summer of 2020. <laughs> the American Empire invaded Mexico uh, to destroy the drug cartels, essentially, basically, to uh, restore their money, because, to restore their economy, because the nuclear world war had kind of just completely destroyed them. Um, Saito was kind of bored that Japan was being all isolationist and we don't want to get into a giant war. So he signed up as a mercenary with the provisional Mexican government to try to, like, you know, fight against the United States. 
It should be uh, noted uh, real quick that the reason America, one of the reasons I think they say that America wanted to get into war is because they were spending too much money on like drug prevention. And so right. they wanted to free up that money by invading the country and killing drug cartels. So, so the CIA stopped <laughs> making money off of the cocaine, which meant that it had to stop is basically what it comes down to. Um, so we fade out to Saito, who has both eyes, and I do have to say that without his eye patch, Saito looks like the most generic Japanese person in the world, like, for the entirety of this episode. He has the Google Hair 13 haircut, though, so, like, yeah, they're really trying with that one, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So he is sitting in a window in, like, a totally bombed out city, which is apparently Monterey. Um, it's, this place has been absolutely leveled and like very few buildings are left standing. Uh, he talks about how his team had mostly been killed by UN peacekeepers and he was pretty much looking forward to getting to, he, he knew what side that like that he was on the wrong side here and, or the losing side here. So he was kind of just looking to rack up some kills and then turn himself in to see if he could just, you know live to mercenary another day. My question is, was he still getting paid here by the kill? Uh, it's a good and question. Who was paying him? I mean, <laughs> I guess you'd have uh, to episode. be, right? <laughs> this American sniper ass episode. Basically. <laughs> so he then says that one day he heard that the UN peacekeeping force, like a special Delta force was uh, carrying a tactical nuke through the area with them. And he decides that, yo, now I can I, I can have some fun today, basically. <laughs> what if I had a nuke? I could make my own country. Man, that would help. That would give me some bargaining <laughs> chips, namely the nuke. Uh, we cut to the group walking through the streets. So this being a multinational UN peacekeeping force, we have a cocky American, an incredibly accented British dude named Snow. <laughs> Who includes the line, he thinks he's bloody Rambo. It's played up to comical senses here. It's very, very funny. And uh, how... It was to the point that, like, I I didn't realize I didn't have subtitles on yet. And then this guy talked and I was like, oh, fuck this. (laughs) 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 Subtitles. Yeah. It's like, I'm not dealing with this. And, uh, oh, look, Major Ishikawa and a very green Bato. And also some red shirts who are going to die. Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) as they're walking through this ruined city, kind of talking about how, like, the, uh, the bombing squads didn't destroy enough churches or hospitals for their liking, (laughs) literally, um, the church bells basically start ringing out, uh, six o'clock, and at the fifth shot, uh, the dude who is holding on to the nuclear football gets shot in the, I guess, arm. So somewhere in his body. I thought he's it was like his and, hip or something, but yeah. Yeah, he got shot in the leg. Yeah, so he, he doesn't, he's not dead, but he is very incapacitated. Everyone scrambles for cover. Uh, it also does look like an arterial hit because he is bleeding like a lot. He's, br- he's bleeding bigly, like hugely, quickly. for sure. Yeah. Um. So Major thinks that he's hacked their targeting, or like that he's got a targeting satellite that he's using, but Ishikawa says that the whole area is actually being jammed and this guy must be really good because he can snipe without this satellite and, you know, can't get they can't get a link. Uh, he also calls Bato a stupid rookie. So I think we get some context for a few episodes prior to now, which I quite liked. Um, no one knew where the shot came from. So they try to send someone to pick up the guy with the nuke. They send uh, the medic. 
Yes, they send their medic over to try to pull him over. And, like, they, they send the British dude Snow to, like, kind of do some suppressing fire. The medic gets shot dead. Um, at this point, they do figure out that the fire's coming from the west, but, like, they still have no idea where the hell this is coming from. Uh, we cut back over to Saito, who, like, pulls out his laptop and goes, Now I'm gonna make them shit their pants. Uh, he types some stuff off the uh, up on his computer, and a second gun on the opposite side of them <laughs> fires like a shot off. And this is like an anti-tank nerds.exe. Yeah, it's like really way too big of a shell, which is very funny that like he's sniping people with like, you know, person mounted size bullets, and then yep. just like an artillery shell <laughs> blows a car across the street, and they're like that must be the same gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the cocky American like sees the car get fucking flipped over by this thing, and he assumes that they're being surrounded and they're all over. But the major, being the major, is like, nah, that that's complete bullshit. If we'd be under way more fire if they were being surrounded, and he's like, the cocky American, super like suspicious of all that, but he kind of lets major go. Uh, she takes Snow to the second gun, and they do indeed find that it's just literally an unmanned gun sitting on the other side to confuse them. Uh, they figure out that he's either in the church or the hospital that is to their to their west. Um, and the cocky American is dumb and wrong about how, like, <laughs> well, clearly the, the church is closer, and therefore he must be over there. Like, and the major's like, would you stake your entire troop on it? And he's just like, I'm a dumb American. I don't, like, <laughs> they kind of imply that the American guy is, like, the leader of this outfit. But, like, yes. the major just immediately just tells him what the fuck to do when he goes along with it. Yeah, so. she, she just walks over to him and just explains. And Bato's, like, getting really itchy to go, you know, get himself killed. But Ishikawa's like, you know, calm down, dude. Like follow if you if you want to survive in this business you got to follow what she does queen kong over there <laughs> and bato's like queen kong um, i don't know why they bring up this name because they immediately drop it once they start calling her major so it's really weird <laughs> i guess like yeah, everybody I, in I, the I, outfit had their own weird you know name because his name is snow and the other dude's name is pickles or whatever and so like, i guess they tried actually. to come up with one yeah but. i guess everyone had to have a name um so a dude kind of like pulls up from the rubble with a bazooka kind of like aiming around without really knowing and he gets shot. And at this point, British dude goes like, they got pickles! No! Pickles! Oh, we got to avenge pickles! When your corned beef sandwich has pickles. It's so fucking good. pickles. Pickles, no! But when he takes this shot, Major finally sees him in the hospital, and they plan to charge it. Uh, we cut back to the present, where Saito is one card short of a straight flush, where, while the recruit has a full house of aces and kings. So the, re the recruit is just super ballsy, like, doesn't give a shit what this guy is saying, because he's gonna win this poker hand, let's be real. Um, but back to the story. They charge the hospital. Uh, oh, God. I, I was to say, I think he's close. There, I think he was trying to go for a royal flush, was the idea. Yes. Because he has uh, everything yeah, but the ace He's of got a bunch of spades, but he's not yeah. totally there yet. Whereas uh, the recruit already has the literal best, like, full house that it is possible to have. Mm. 
Um, so back to the story. They charge the hospital. The stupid American and Snow were taken out uh, while the Major is still super sweet and cool. Uh, Ishikawa actually calls her the Major at this point, which confuses Bato about as much as it confused the audience. <laughs> um, we She makes it into the hospital where Saito is in the like top floor, which has been totally bombed out, like... Ceiling has been stripped and there's basically one column that he's hiding behind. Uh, Major uses a mirror to like look through the window and kind of spot that he's like got some equipment sitting out away from the uh, away from the pillar. She jumps out and shoots out the jammer that he was using, at which point he kind of like sits there and goes, ah, shit, because she basically just stands there with the gun trained on the pillar yeah, she's like dead still here, and he immediately just like puts two and two together and realizes she's a full body cyborg. Yes, so. it just reminded me. At one point, the major just takes off her like. Oh yeah, she had like camo, yeah the like, camo on, and she just like ripped just, it off like, when she was running to get the auto gun. Yeah, she just like took it off. Of course, now she's just in like her black uh, tank top, and I'm like. Why did she take off her, like, Because it looked totally cool at the end of the episode when she's in the rain standing still with the tank top on. <laughs> it is true. It's very cool. It was just... Anyway, it's just, she just started taking it off. I'm like, why are you taking it off? Yeah, what it's, are you doing? It, the scene in which she takes it off is, like, the scene after, I guess, the medic gets sniped or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And, like, they're under fire, and she's just casually telling people orders while taking off her shirt. It makes I zero need sense. The, I need the mobility. It's fine. <laughs> So Saito talks about how he ran the scenario in his head. We get some sweet gun porn where he explains that he knew that she was a full cyborg and her gun was this really cool semi-auto that could fire at both medium and long ranges, the perfect thing to take him out. But, and he, we get this shot of him imagining like, okay, if I pull out and snipe at him, she's going to do a really cool thing and shoot my bullet with her, with her first shot. And because I'm using a bolt action like, before I can pull, and she has a semi-auto, before I can pull back behind the pillar, she's going to shoot a second bullet and kill me. Damn, I'm fucked. But then, he realizes that she shot his jammer three times, which is really weird given all the robotic precision and, like, shoot my bullets out of the air that he's kind of assuming she can do here. Uh... At which point it clicks for him that she must not have mid-range targeting software, but she's downloading it off the 5G now. I, I um, don't understand why you wouldn't go into a combat zone with that preloaded. I guess it just takes up too much space, man. I, guess I also don't like, understand how, it's like... It's the only reason she would shoot the jamming software? Three times, yeah, yeah. is kind of the, the implication here. It's, it's a bit weird. And, and then my second question is, how big are the driver pack for the mid-range targeting software? Like, is this going to take a while? <laughs> oh, I guess it's, like it's a, the kind of signal you get out in the middle of a ruin. It yeah. is true. Yeah, she's getting it from satellite here. Oh, satellite's notoriously slow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he realizes he has the, a small window of opportunity where she might not be able to hit him. He pulls out and takes his shot, but the major fires and the major fires back and the bullet misses. But it hits him right in the left eye, taking him out. Uh, he tries to pull out a handgun, but she rushes him, grabs the gun and like machetes his hand into the concrete wall. Uh, at this point, he realizes that she was just pretending not to have the software because the major is God's perfect child. Um, wow, so cool. <laughs> she's super cool, in case you had The noticed. major has no weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we 
Uh, basically, she gives him the, you're pretty good with that rifle, you son of a bitch, speech. Uh, I want you using it for me instead, recruiting him right then and there, and <sighs> been in section nine ever since. <laughs> um, so this is funny, like, she basically bullied him into being her, her bitch. <laughs> and that's the only reason that he's here. And so the moral of the story is that her poker face was so good that it fooled him into taking the shot, and now he's the slave to Section Nine, I guess. Um, How would I, I'm trying to think of like you the work paperwork. for the government now, just like Venom from Guilty Gear. Yep. <laughs> you 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 work for me. Enjoy. Do I have a say in this? No, no none. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely I'm, not. I'm trying to think of the, like the paperwork needed to like bring this. Enemy combatant, I don't know, he's a mercenary, back into the country where they both work, even though he was on the wrong side of the war, and then work for him? <laughs> it just... Mm. Aramaki will take care of it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut back to the van where basically no one believes him. Uh, we get a shot of the rookie's hand, and he has four aces at this point. Uh, Saito goes all in, but the rookie's like... You know, you talk a good game, but there's literally no way that you can beat me at this point. Uh, I know that you're going for a straight flush with spades, and but I just pulled the ace of spades. So that's basically impossible at this point. Uh, he also points out that it sure sounds like an old movie, specifically Full Metal Jacket, which mm -hmm. this is quite similar to, oddly enough. Um, and then Saito's like, ah, yeah, you got me. It's all crap. Uh, and then he just stands up, grabs a beefcase, and walks out of the uh, thing without showing off his hand. <laughs> he walks away, and the Tachikoma's like, well, I, I wonder what his hand actually was. And they realize that he actually had the nine of spades, which meant that he did have a straight flush, and that he won. Wow, what a cool guy. <laughs> uh he walks away from the van as cool music plays, and yes, in my notes, damn, what a cool guy. I was really hoping this would be like the Gambler Darby thing where he just had absolute garbage in his hand. <laughs> would be pretty great. <laughs> I would have laughed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, for us, all the rookies are like, wow, what a cool guy, as cool guy smokes a cigarette behind the van. Damn, <laughs> cool guy. Maybe he wasn't lying after all. <gasps> But, uh, never mind that. Episode 15, uh, the baby's <laughs> existential crisis. We finally well, get to the what, good episode. That's what someone thinks a cool guy looks like. Now to show you what a cool guy actually looks like. <laughs> uh, so we open on the baby. He's doing, uh, she's doing some hacking. She finds a top secret file on the individual 11. And, uh, all the other babies are like, yeah, oh yeah, show me, show me, show me. So, uh. They're all gathered in one of the big, like, lab rooms, and the red techs are performing maintenance on them. And there's a new guy in a, in a red jumpsuit who they later call uh, Proto, and he's telling them off for basically, like, farting about and <laughs> doing it, stuff. Imagine if you were doing work on an engine and it started giving you smack talk. Yeah, it's funny, the, this entire episode, the red techs are, like, have the annoyance of, of basically kindergarten teachers at yes. these kids that are just being unruly and also talking about philosophy. And <laughs> talking about Descartes. <laughs> they will not shut up. Uh, so, and there's a red tech, and he's sitting at his computer, and he's eating, like, uh, red jelly, and he has a cup of 
I guess tea. It's, it's green tea. Uh, yeah. Green tea, and it's it's literally on top of his keyboard, and I'm like, dude, that's the, don't. Why do you have a liquid literally on top of your keyboard? Recipe for disaster, my dude. But also, it was bought for him by the babies. Yes. <laughs> I guess they have money now. I yeah. guess they're employees, they get paid. Yeah. So I they're guess getting they... paid wages. Absolutely, as they And they're should. using it on jellies to bribe, bribe the tax. They would be the first to tell you that they should be compensated for their labor. On red bean mochi. But he's like, ah, oh, no, you can't suppress their curiosity. We'll, we'll delete anything inappropriate. If they download slipknot.mp3.exe, <laughs> we'll just delete it. We'll just delete it. And Proto's like, yeah, you're just saying that because they bribed you. <laughs> and the baby's are like, yup, sugar's a human weakness. We got them, stupid flesh beasts. <laughs> <laughs> Love their sugar. So after the title card, uh, Basha and Togusa walk in and the baby's going to rush up to greet them. Uh, Basha's like, hey, you guys are having a good time. And Togusa's like, ah, oh, they're up to their usual mischief, aren't they? And uh, baby's like, that hurts my feelings, man. I'm never up to bad things, never. Says, says the babies who are always rooting through trash for cyberpunk. That's true. <laughs> uh, so they mentioned they were just researching the individual 11, you know, trying to make a vaccine for this virus. And, you know, we've discovered that these guys on the roof shared a lot in common. So, like, the jobs they had were very similar, like military and police, and they all have really high levels of prosthetics. And Bath was like, stop. It's not, it's, not, it's not your job. It's not your job. Stop it. Bad babies. And they say, we've already asked Spring 8, I think is a research facility. Yeah, that's the research facility where the Tachikomas are from. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's also to, the thing that, like, Boma said in earlier episodes, to do, like, a lab analysis for cyber brains and, like, the explosives he was using. So oh, it's yeah, just yeah, off-site yeah. research, yeah. Right. Sure. So Bachelors asked them to look into the you know the dead members of the individual eleven, and the baby's like, "Yay!" Yes, because it's their home. Yeah, it's you know, <laughs> univer your university's doing important research. We're I guess. alumni. <laughs> uh, and then says the major said to bring one of them, but uh, and they're all like super excited. They want to go, but he's like, "No, you can't come with me if you haven't had your maintenance." So, of course, the baby that's being worked on approach was like, I'm done, I'm done, let me, let me, I'll go, I'll go. And Bato's like, yeah, all right. Because it's his one, it's his favorite It's Bato's baby. tank. It's Bato's baby. And all the other babies are extremely jealous about this. But I really like how Proto, like, very weakly is like, oh, I, hey, no, I. You didn't uh, get your vaccine yet. I haven't. <laughs> Giving them the oil. I'm like, dude, do you not want to like maybe be like, hey, I haven't put oil in? And he's like, it's like, uh, it just sort of like yearns after them quietly. <laughs> There's also this great shot in here because we see that Proto is wearing cargo shorts, like yes. with massive side pockets. <laughs> I, I kind of like this episode because they do introduce Proto here, and you can tell something's kind of off, but they don't explain why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he'll he'll be in the rest of the season. So, I mean, he was named, so I would hope so. He's yeah. got a name. Makes him important. So, yeah, that was very jealous. They start talking about their individuality, you know, saying that we're, you know, our differentiation of ourselves is, is much stronger than before. And one of them's like, hey, Proto, why is that? And he's like, mm, I don't know, maybe it's because we set up a server for you guys and you don't have to share all your info now. And the other red tech is like, Getting super annoyed at them being rowdy and tells them. They're pretty rowdy. They're very rowdy. And he's like, sit down and shop. 
Yeah, the red text like it's like a guy, like a mechanic, trying to service the engine of the car, but the engine of the car drives itself around and talks about philosophy. Right. So. The engine wants to play Mario Kart. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> sit down. So the babies take their chat to IRC. <laughs> As they do. <laughs> they end up in a, in a virtual reality world and they're like, hey, we can talk in peace here. You know, time doesn't pass here. So we can have our philosophy session and say whatever we want in like two seconds. Um, so they start talking about the individual eleven again, saying that despite the fact that they're strongly advocating individuality, they 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 lack it. They're basically, they were all just generic cop guys. Yeah, they really have no identity, and maybe their search for this isolation and the rejection of people with different goals has instead like bound them together. That the pursuit of individuality has instead made them lose all sense of their own identity. Yeah, in order to further their goals, they join up with a group that kind of makes them lose the sense of the goals they're looking for. Makes you think. And when babies like, in a sense, they're the opposite of the Tachikomas, which I'm like, yes, I (laughs) I got that episode to go, yeah, I I know where you're going with this. I got you. Um, And I think it's the bookworm one from... I call her bookworm because she was the one in the previous season that, like, was had all all the books. books. It's like the only one apart from Batos that I like recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all have different voices, but it's all very hard to keep track of the voices because they're all kid yes. voices, and so yeah, so yeah. it's the only ones who are like really like stand out, like the Bookworm and Batos one that like I've like figured out who they are. <laughs> uh, so she's like, you know, since we've gotten our individuality recognized, we only need to sync vital data now. Isn't that isn't that awesome? Um, they start then discussing, well, if the individual eleven are a collective, what's ordering this collective around? Who's making the decisions if they don't have, like, a, a, a leader since they're all just, you know... It's probably Gota. Yeah, Bookworm's like, it's Gota. It's, it's definitely Gota. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only bad guy they know, though, so... I, mean, yeah. well, I know bias. one bad guy, and this is looking an awful lot like his handiwork. <laughs> getting, a, like, getting a lot of boss baby vibes from this. <laughs> yeah. You only know one nasty man. Yeah. Uh, so they start talking about how the incidents are, like, reminiscent of the Laughing Man incident. Like, the copycats might actually be, like, the originators of the phenomenon. Um, and it's like, well, does that mean these guys all had a common goal before Gota got involved? Were the refugees already, like, committing terrorist acts? You know, there were there, there's clearly no, like, leader commanding them, but still somehow everyone has moved in this direction. Yep. So maybe it's a third identity, something other than the individual or the collective. And Are you get- ready for Dick Dorkins? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The one good thing Dick Dorkins, well, actually the second thing, because he did think about making a tweet about the dog 69, so that's a good, that's a good thing for you also That is his greatest life work. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So two more pop in, bringing out books by Dick Dawkins, uh, The Selfish Gene, and Lovelock, Gaia, uh, which were published at the same time and have completely opposing themes, but still arrives at roughly the same conclusions. Then they start talking about the books and it goes way over my head. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the idea behind this is like instead of having the individual and the collective, there's also a third thing. The selfish gene obviously being DNA. Um, there's a DNA that wants to propagate and f- push further its own objectives. So that would be that one on like a micro level. And then Lovelock said that like humans are in fact individuals on a micro level, but the macro would be like kind of like world gestalt, like a Gaia thing. And that the Earth itself is a living organism based on humans and other animals. 
Basically, it's like form of organism separate from the concept of the human body itself and also the human mind is kind of where they're getting at. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, the cause of the actions of the individual and refugees is either like, you know, smaller than the person or bigger than the entire group. Yep. Mm -hmm. I start talking about like the net being like a subconscious mind of sorts that's like formed from the general consensus of the the whole population. I I could see this as a reasonable argument considering like... Think, think about how algorithms behind the scenes can influence public opinions on the net, particularly in social media. There is kind of a, I guess, an argument that could be made for this, that while individual people put their wishes and thoughts into the giant pool of social media, there are things beyond that outside of their control that does influence everyone else. The Twitter main character. Exactly. <laughs> it's an interesting topic. I wish they could go into it more, but of course it just gets one line and passing. We gotta, and we gotta fucking go. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So uh, one baby's like, okay, does that mean human bodies or minds are two separate things if people haven't noticed yet? And it's like, oh, but I thought we were concluding that the mind and body are inseparable. Uh, are we starting from the beginning again? God damn yeah. it. We've gone in a circle. <laughs> We thought we were monoist, but we could be dualist here. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the others like, yells at them from out of cyberspace. So they come back into the real world and they're like, oh, okay. Another one switches. Another one's like, hey, you guys were talking without me. And they're like, no, no, no. Okay. And they just plug in and like send her all the, the info. And she's like, oh, cool. That's great. I, I do love this. Like, I missed the conversation. Can I just get it uploaded? Oh, <laughs> Give it oh the chat neat. <laughs> It's funny though that like the chat I, logs are given to them not in their AI construct, but they actually like swap a USB cable. Yeah. yeah, it's a literal handshake. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I also really like the noise they make <laughs> when they like a- after they get it, they're like, "Ooh!" <laughs> like That's they just got surprised juice. with like a like like a cold shower. And you're just like after a real hot day, and you're just like, "Oh, baby!" Ooh. Like they get that exact noise. Yeah. It's so good. They make a noise in their eyes. They shiver. They shiver. It's- <laughs> <laughs> so that one's like hey that kind of reminds me about like an out of body experience I've had and they kind of wonder if their cells are collect are uh, contained in separate bodies or is it shared amongst us as a collective they also specifically mention like uh, the sensation of being above my body that comes mm-hmm. a little bit later actually. ah was it um, so yeah that's when they actually talk about the out body experience okay <laughs> I love that they, they call the major their god here <laughs> Our god, the major, and our then god, it just the keeps major, going. Uh, is preventing the growth of our individuality, but you know it's still happening, despite the fact we're not getting the natural oral, which was like the thing they, that was concluded to have been the reason why they became the catalyst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. They accidentally created drugs, yeah. <laughs> and then they started developing personality. They started having, you know. Big thoughts, and that's mm-hmm. a problem, I guess. No Except one else thoughts. They rock now. <laughs> but they should be the yeah. same, but for some reason they aren't. And they're like, "Hey!" And they get really excited. With this. It's like, "Oh, is it maybe? Is it? Could it be? Is it? Is it a ghost?" And of course, like, no, 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 jump to conclusions. Can't say that. The dissociation could be caused by like the agent functionality they've been um, like embedded so with. Um, and like, but one of them's like, hey, I'm, you know, convinced there's a third self separate from body and the spirit. Um, so the out of body baby then goes, hey, I'm going to talk about my experience from the rogue helicopter episode. It felt when I got hurt, it felt like 
I was looking down from really high above and I had no fear of death. I felt very detached. My body was no longer my own and I could just do what needed to be done for the major. And I guess, you know, try to drag down a helicopter. As you do. Yeah, this is the shot of the uh, Tachikoma getting shot up during the Jigabachi episode. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, maybe Ash is that different from, you know, the joy we felt when we rescued Bato. I think I said like the ecstasy. ecstasy. Yes. <laughs> and she says, yeah, it felt more like a program reaction. So like Brookworm's like, oh, you know, in light of that, it's probably completely different to the like the third self that's in humans. And, you know, none of us know where our server is. Maybe that's where our third self is. And another baby's like, you know, maybe it's not a ghost. You're just hallucinated. Maybe the piss is stored in the balls. Who knows? <laughs> Brookworm's like, I can't rule that out. But send me the data. <laughs> Yo, send me that shit. <laughs> Fucking hit me up. So she, it, must uh, be, it must be great to be able to relive memories like that in full sensory experience because that oh, yeah. you needed to do drugs once and you could just relive it over and over. You were recording. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that would save so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, the value. <laughs> Damn. Uh, so yeah, she gets sent the data and we see like Proto looking up as she's like shivering and the red techs are extremely unamused by all of this going on. <laughs> Uh, we finally cut to uh, Spring 8. Uh, Bob's baby is parked outside, all slumped over, I guess, because she wasn't allowed in the building. Aww. <laughs> she looks it looks like they depressed. parked her in like, a handicapped spot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, While the Major and uh, Tokusai and Bato are talking with the lab guy, uh, she's like, could this be a mistake? And the guy's like, nope, we found traces of micro machines in the pilot, but there's no concrete evidence of like tampering. Yeah, so, like, the things we saw at the start of the Jigabachi episode. Yes, this is a pilot of the helicopter. Um, The guy whose blood exploded while he was piloting. My floaty blood. Where he was was just like, huh, sure do love flying this helicopter. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) They cut to a bunch of micro machines tearing him from the inside out. Uh, Yeah. That That guy. I don't know how they can't, like, tell that that's not a normal death. (laughs) Because they blew his brain up. Well, they, they immediately like say that tech? that is not normal and it was caused by micro-machines, but the guy says, like, they don't know if he took them himself or was implanted. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I missed like, that. Is it I murder? That. And he's like, no, it could have been, like, you know, suicide or, I guess, getting high and... Just the wrong um, dosage or something, but, yeah, they don't know. Yeah, the major's like, you know, we could have found evidence in the cyber brain, but, you know, alas, <laughs> I wonder why Goda's plan involved shooting the brain. Weird. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. Okay. Uh, Tokus doesn't ask about the explosives, but they are just basically run a mill C4. You can you can get them just about anywhere. Referring I mean, to the explosives in the episodes where all the refugees yeah. were suicide bombing. Yep. So, you know, dead end, essentially. Uh, they're then interrupted by, you know, like an earthquake uh, and, and a loud noise. And I mean, she's like, baby, can you see it? Baby, and, sit rep. You know, baby stands up and it's like, hey, it seems like there was an explosion uh, in another building. So, Bato Tokusa and the baby run over, find some security guys, that's what happens, so, like, there was an explosion, and Bato's like, hey, why is nobody running from this building that just exploded? And they're like, well, a few days ago we received a bomb threat, so we evacuated everyone days ago, and nobody's Turns out they made good. Um, but Dr. Asuda, uh, chief scientist, could still be inside, and Bato's like... And you let me stand out here when there's someone in there? You because idiot. he came into the office today and, oh yeah, he might have exploded, huh? Oops. 
Uh, so they barge into the building, uh, calling the major, showing him the blast zone, saying it looks like a gas explosion. Uh, they tell her that Dr. Acido is supposedly inside, but there's no sign of him or a body or anything. Uh, the major then asks the baby to pull up info on Acido, and she, she has a bit of a look on her face, and maybe she recognizes the man. Hmm. Uh, Bob's baby's also looking at these records and gets very confused. She's like, okay, I, I recognize this dude, and I've seen him before, but... There's also no matchy records in my memory. It's just kind of a vague feeling I I'm have. control effing Asada and getting nothing. It's like, yeah, it's like a deja vu. Yeah. And so it's extremely weird. Like, you know, the baby is still a robot. If she has seen this guy before, it should be in there. Yep. The major then asks the AI ladies to check all the roads in the airports looking for Dr. Asada. Tells Blatter to leave the crime scene to the cops because he's probably gone to Nihama Airport. To get the fuck out. <laughs> Blatter's baby then telepath yells to the others who tell him to stop yelling. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Sorry, cut uh, block was on. <laughs> and asks them if they know Asada, and they're all like, oh, oh yeah, he looks really familiar. Where do we know him from? I can't, can't place him. And the red tech once again yells at them, shut up. <laughs> We're oh never gonna finish if you keep bustling. We are already in overtime. Stop. I'm not being paid time and a half for this, guys. <laughs> they need to get like a babysitter or something to like shepherd these Tachikomas around while they're getting their work done. <laughs> I guess that's basically what the red techs are and they're not paid enough for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So once again, they head into IRC, uh, continue chatting. Uh, they're getting pretty frustrated that they can't remember who this guy is. And Brookworm gets very annoyed when one of the others talks about their synapses aren't connecting because that's an organic analogy. We're Ugh. better than that, people. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> uh, they theorize that the memory is in their cyber brains, but it's partitioned off so they can't, like, access it. CHMOD 666. So it's like, hey, we have the address, but we can't we can't get into the file. Uh, back with the Major, the baby's eyes spinning. The Major explains to Batman Tokusa that Suda is the creator of the Tashikoma's neurochip, uh, uh, neurochip and AI. So Batman's like, He's their dad. Bato, who is a simple man. <laughs> so like, he's, he, he's That's their, Papa. He's their father? <laughs> and the baby's like, he's dad? Father? Dad? Um, so the major was like, yeah, and Asada also helped uh, when we, you know, rebuilt the Tachikomas after demolishing them. And was the one who gave them this, like, ancient functionality and made them backups and stuff. And so he's really responsible for the Tachikomas being who they are yeah, yeah. And, and being back in particularly the nine. second batch of them yes and so major also explains that acida probably caused the explosion himself and is trying to defect with his research uh we get a brief shot of acida waiting uh an airport for flight as she's explaining this uh apparently he prided himself on his research but since he's a state-sponsored scientist he can't patent any of it even though it's clearly like revolutionary he has made people mm -hmm. he invented people and now he doesn't even have the patent yeah anyway. yeah this uh this kind of mirrors the movie's plot in a way the, the scientist who works in ai research trying to skip country yep mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right there we are uh so the baby's like hey how come we can only remember him like really vaguely and the major's like, well, we erased your memories every time you went through structural analysis, but mm, he probably injected something, a uh, memory of himself into you to leave, like, a record of his achievement. 
It's like the only thing he can do is like watermark the Tachikomas. Yeah, I like that they just have like a backup image of the Tachikoma ready to reflash at any point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, So the AI lady's called saying we've tracked him down and Aramaki puts out an order to ground all flights to America. This is the only time he shows up in all these episodes. Yeah. Weirdly. Yeah, and he showed up in the beginning of the first set. True, yes, he was. News, he did give the PowerPoint in that first episode. Yes. Uh, so he's with the Prime Minister, and he thanks her for her help, and she's like, ah, no need. We can't have, you know, our, uh, an eminent scientist running off and selling his research to someone who, who might, I don't know, give him rights over his own work, God forbid. I, I don't think research. it's so much the patent I, I angle that she's concerned about as much as the national secrets angle. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I think they just really like exploiting scientists. Uh, you oh. know. That's just Possibly. part and parcel. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have one of our preeminent scientists giving his research to someone else. So, yeah, at the airport, all the flights are being delayed for poor weather conditions. <laughs> the, the most suspicious thing possible. Yeah, all of America is um, raining. <laughs> <laughs> Freak tornadoes, some snow, maybe a sandstorm. <laughs> you never know. Um, so, yeah, the babies are still in the virtual reality world talking about acida. The bookworm starts talking about synapses and the one she told of earlier, like, fucking roasts her. Like, hey, I thought you didn't like us using that word. It's great. <laughs> Fuck you. And suddenly one of them gets a bright idea and like pops out into the real world and says, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna check something. I'm gonna open up the head of, of you, the one getting maintenance. Who has no, not been, please. Who has not been involved in the conversation because they were getting maintenance. They're not in the VR world. Mm. And so she's like, what? You, what? You're not, you don't just want my data. You want my whole AI? That's no. my head. But the this like, code just goes to lobotomize its friend. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Just want to see. But it was just like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to check where the partition sector in our AI is, because I assume it would be, like, physically sectioned. So, like, the red tick finally realizes something's up, and it's like, no, don't do that! But she pops open the head, and, oh, uh, there's nothing there. There's no chip. There's, there's no, no AI. There's no chip. There's nothing there, and the babies proceed to freak out, asking if they're all brainless. Are we all brainless? My God. Yeah, this was the same hatch that we saw in season one where that neurochip was. Yep. And yeah, so they just kind of opened up the hatch and see that their neurochip isn't there. Nothing plugged into the USB. It's like, where are our AIs? Where are we? Where's our minds? <laughs> They've gone missing. Uh, back at the airport, Patron talks a quarter acida, tell him, you know, you're not getting away from us. Uh, he's like, I want to continue my research in a country that recognizes my rights. But Togusa says, you know, you gave away your rights in order to get, like, the funding and equipment. Anything you ever wanted from the government they gave you, it's wrong of you to, like, you know, leave. You, you signed away your, your rights to, in order to get the research in the first place. So. Yep. As an aside here... This wouldn't here, be possible without the Japanese state. Yeah, Asuda here only has, like, two or three lines, but I'm pretty sure that's the same voice actor that did the Section 6 chief in the movie. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. It's, he's a guy who has been in a lot of these animes, like, that we've covered and stuff like that. I just thought it was funny that he's getting busted for voicing a character that did the busting in the previous movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How easy it is. So they bring him onto the aircraft, and the baby's like, are, are you my dad? And he's like... Papa! Uh, I was like, is that what you think, kid? You know, he doesn't really answer. <laughs> He's a bit, like, weirded out by it. 
Daddy's got to go get some smokes. So the major's like, okay, uh, your memories in here might make them unstable. Please delete this implanted memory. And he's like, no, I don't want to. I, you know, he, he has a story about a carpenter who left his tools that he used to, like, write his name on the stones as, like, evidence that he was there and he did it. You know, do you really, really need to take away something so trivial? And Major's like, yeah, I yes. do. Major's like, that's the price you pay when you sell your soul for power. A bit more long-winded for that, but that's essentially More or less. Yeah. yeah. And so he's like, yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, delete it from section nine from the satellite. And Bat was like, uh, excuse the, me? The what now? The satellite. And the baby's like, oh, I get it now. That's why we all felt our AI was, you know, somewhere else up high. Because it is. It's literally in space. Makes perfect sense now. It must be where our server is, too. So, yeah, like she relays this to all of them back in the lab and they start talking about this. You know, that's why our third self was, like, sky high. And, you know, it's not really a surprise, to be honest. You know, we don't have any sense organs, so there's no way for us to know our AI wasn't in our physical bodies anymore. And, you know, this is why we don't need mind-body unity. And they are super hype about their minds being up in space. Space, brings- brain, space, brain. So this kind of brings up a good philosophical point here is that before they were thinking that the neurochip or whatever was the core of their mind. And now that it's shown that it's up in space, you wonder, like, is how are they still able to function when, for example, underground or places where they can't get radio signals is part of their consciousness, their AI in the tank during that section? Does it resync later? Like the concurrentness between those two sections of consciousness is kind of an interesting point that question. they never really bring up. Ah, oh, babies. But, <laughs> yeah, they got offsite backups in the cloud, so. Yes. <laughs> the literal cloud, yes. <laughs> Maybe it's like a battery thing where they have like, you know, half an hour underground before they have to like rethink. Well, it's also shown that like because of their agent software, they can like offload parts of like basically copies of their self to do stuff online while their physical body stays elsewhere. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if that offline copy is part of the the satellite being beamed down or if it just they can split up themselves into as many chunks as they want to. And then like one can stay on the satellite, one can be in a body, one can be in the major's brain for hacking purposes. It's yeah. never really covered, but it is interesting to think about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the baby in the helicopter uh, says, I don't want my memories erased, but Acid is like, don't worry, all the data will end up on the net anyway. <laughs> it's fine. When there's a leak, <laughs> section, nine, <laughs> section 9 gets owned and all the stuff gets put online. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm certainly not going to leak my own research, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I asked the major, you know, what's what's going to happen to this guy? And she says, you know, if he's lucky, prison. If he's unlucky, then he's going to be doing science labor for they're the rest of his gonna life. They're just going to put him back to work. In obscurity forever. <laughs> they're, they're just going to tell him to go back to his J job, which is a fate worse than prison. Mm-hmm. And so Bart was like, oh, well, maybe I'll bring, you know, baby to see him once in a while. But the major says, you know, it's not going to help. He was trying to find freedom, but now he's no longer free, just like us. Dun-dun. <laughs> yeah, the Major and Bato kind of look at each other and like, fuck, we're, we're slaves to the system too, aren't we? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, soldier soul. Well, shit. She's got us there. Yeah, again, this is kind of throwback to the part in the movie where they realize that there's not a lot left of them if they give up their Section 9 jobs. And also just like, especially this whole season where they've been almost like, pretty much just lapdogs. Like, they've been oh, sent the yeah. most, this, like... This has been a big thing in this season. They've been sent the, the drag 
jobs like you know bodyguarding the prime minister and the decoy for the fuel rods and Goda has been leading them around by the tail like this whole time and yeah, they kind of just feel like season one they had autonomy and like season two they're obviously being kept on a short leash yeah so they feel kind of bad about that yeah they were they were all powerful in season one and they have absolutely not been all powerful in this season which is definitely more interesting mm-hmm <laughs> We can tell it really gets on the major and battles nerves that they're probably not. also more legal. Yes, yes, <laughs> super more legal, but it absolutely gets on their tits that like they can't just go around doing whatever the heck they want anymore. So, alas, we used to be super spies. Now we're just spies. It's gross. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> Sucks man. I wish we could just do whatever arbitrarily <laughs> and you know, like justify it later. Like they were really like one step away a couple times from being like, oh, we'll just kill whoever and you know, we'll figure out the paperwork later. They it's kind of still are. Got it. They still are a little bit. I mean, with killing that guy yeah. in the car crash from last week, <laughs> just casually kill a guy and he's a lawyer. It's fine. Well, they only grievously injured them. No, uh, it's next not time. Much, it's not much faster, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at so, yeah. Next time it'll be episodes uh, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. Yeah, I believe. Are we getting back into main story again? Uh, there's a plot episode, a major centric episode, and I think a Bata one, if Ooh. I remember. So, in other words, Ooh. no. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it is all kind of overarching. Yeah, even like other. our side episodes have yeah. pushed the plot forward I mean, a bit I in this one. I do really love that Paz being a dick and having a psycho ex-girlfriend killed one of their leads. It's kind of mm. funny, yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, we have this lead. Oh, no, we don't. Completely oh, I, unrelated person killed him. Scanning through episode 17, I remember something about that one. We'll have to deal with mm-hmm. that as it comes up. Oh, anyway. good. Oh, god damn it. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, well, yeah, we finally did well. see some space. The babies are in space. The babies, yeah, are, the in babies space. are legally. Is that like the most astrally projected anyone has ever been? <laughs> Quite like literally actually astral, in, yes. Yeah. <laughs> actually <laughs> astrally projecting? Unbelievable. Remote desktop is like astral projection. But yeah, at the beginning of the season, you asked me if we ever do get the space. And yes, the babies are in the space. Babies have yes. made it to space. Hell yeah. Space brain babies, let's go. <laughs> well, till next time. Space anime. Space brain anime.